Welcome to the You Don't Want to Know podcast, where I talk about things that make most people uncomfortable, but for some reason, I can't get enough of it. Very weird, but that's just me. Now, I think I'm going to make this one my first official podcast because a lot has changed since the first episode that I recorded, but don't worry, worry. I will be releasing the other podcasts that I recorded with M, but I think it's going to be in a little different order, or maybe I'll put it like in a special spot. I don't know. We'll find out. We're just going off, flying off the seat of our pants, as they say. So to explain this podcast, I love true crime. I love getting spooked. That's like my favorite thing in the whole wide world. When I was younger, did not enjoy it, so I don't know why I like it now, but here I am, fully immersed, and that's what I basically talk about all the time. So, super fun, love it, and I was like, hey, might as well share my knowledge, so here I am on a podcast. Hello, nice to meet you. My name is Mag. Let's go on a journey together. (laughs) Through a movie that I had recently watched, and... Um, The time I'm recording this, the new Spider-Man No Way Home comes out, came out, I should say, like a month ago. And guess what? I saw it twice. First time I saw it with friends, second time I watched it by myself. And I feel no shame, so go ahead and judge me. I don't care. (laughs) So I thought it'd be fun to review the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but that will be later. The first thing I want to talk about is what I will be talking about in my podcast and all the things to come. So I just want to go through all the things that make me scared or like spook me out because I think the reason why I like getting scared so much is like the adrenaline you get from it. Like your heart's beating really fast and like I, the buildup just like is insane to me, like getting scared and then being scared, whoo, freaks me out, love it. But then after that scare, like it just makes me smile and laugh and like my heart's racing and it's a good time. So I think that's why I like it so much. Now, I want to talk about things like folklore, spooky stuff like that, murders. Um, I talked about in a previous episode that I recorded that I will be releasing about like it has murder in it, but it's mainly about like this con guy that like blew my mind, just the things he did. So that still like falls under true crime but there's no like murders in it so I'll be talking about stuff like that and just like spooky haunted stuff too because you can't get enough of that and for some reason where I'm from it is just like littered with all that stuff now that being said I have listened to a lot of podcasts in my time and I just want to say people are so mean so I'm going to do my best to get all the facts correct and pronounce all the words correctly, but I'm going to fail miserably at this. So please be nice to me because you know, I can almost guarantee that if you were pronouncing, if you were pronouncing crazy weird town names from states or maybe even countries, if I go overseas, that you have never even been to, you would probably get a few wrong. And honestly, I am horrible at reading, so I'm probably going to pronounce even more wrong. So I'm sorry, sincerely, but I'm just letting you know ahead of time. So please be nice to me because I am fragile. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the first Spider-Man movie. Now, I'm not going to do like scene by scene. This is just very brief and fun for me. And if anyone wants to, like, send me an email of a movie they want me to watch, like, let's say you just want to know if it's worth watching because you don't want to waste your time, or you just want my take on the movie, send it. Full send. Do it. Because I'm probably going to run out of movie watching shows, movies, what, you know what I mean. So, this was, like, a whole new experience to me. Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. And it's so weird to think about, too, because when I was younger, I hated watching that spider bite his hand. And, like, I would literally close my eyes. I remember one time I was watching it in the car with my brother. And no, 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 don't 
put me as a bougie person. We had a portable DVD player that we plugged in. We didn't have one of those fancy schmancy like pull down DVD players or whatever at the top or on the headrests. So don't lump me in. All right. I'm not that bougie. But um, I would look away and then my mean big brother at that scene goes and like touches my hand like a spider would and I freaked out. So I don't know why I love it so much, but I love Spider-Man. Like I have a Spider-Man phone case. I have a Spider-Man like holder in my car for my phone. And when I was in high school, I had Spider-Man planners. So Spider-Man is it. So it was like cringy with how Peter Parker was taking pictures of MJ. Fun fact, if there is an Andrew Garfield movie and anyone listens to this, please vote for me for MJ because my initials are actually MJ. And I feel like I am the appropriate age and I can act. So like, vote for me for MJ and Toby or not Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire has his MJ, but Andrew Garfield does not have his MJ. And hello, vote for me. I want to be MJ. But I just thought it was so cringy how like he was just like taking multiple pictures of her and she was like okay with it. And it was just so uncomfortable. And the spider slowly came down from the ceiling. So very funny. And then another thing that like blew my mind was how Tobey Maguire, before he, like, took his little spidey nap and became super buff, was so skinny, and it looked, like, real, like, legitimately looked like his body, so I wonder how they did that, because that was in, like, 2003, I want to say, oh, 2002, was it 2002, sorry, I'm, like, looking it up as I'm doing this, yeah, 2002, that was before my little sister was born, so, like, good for you guys, thank you for that, uh, then I never noticed this, but um when he wakes up from the changes and this just might be my corrupt mind he wakes up from the changes and like he's all buff and he can he doesn't need his glasses anymore and his aunt may knocks on the door and she's like peter is everything okay what's going on um and the p the the camera like pans and goes to just his face and like his chest Uh, his aunt's like any change with how you're feeling and he like looks down at himself and he goes changes yeah big changes so I don't know if that was on purpose but like what I think that was like playing on his junk so like wow um something's going on there the bus scene the bus scene the bus scene when he like stops maybe 30, I'm terrible with estimation. I'm going to say 50 feet from MJ. And he's like talking kind of quietly, pretending to talk to MJ. And just imagine like walking past him and like seeing this guy talk to himself, stare at this girl and be like, pepper spray, dude, don't look at me. Like you're a real weirdo. So it's just like little things like that in the movie where you're like, hmm, weird. Because like from a movie Sears perspective yeah that's fine and it worked really well in the movie but like I try to put myself in that scene and be like what a weirdo like talking to himself so um later on when he's in the cafeteria and he's like having a hard time with his or it's actually when he catches MJ I read somewhere that that was like all real when he catches everything on his uh, on the tray I don't know if I believe that and I have no backing behind it, didn't look into it, so I wouldn't take anything, like, seriously, but it said that it was all real, like, no CGI or whatever, so that was weird, and then I just, I cracked up when she, uh, MJ's like, oh, your eyes are blue, I didn't notice that, and it's like, it's, they're reading glasses, or they're just normal glasses, they're not sunglasses, like, how did you not see the color of his eyes, like, weird, then when he was walking out of the cafeteria with the web stuck to the tray, I was thinking like, so this happened. And then like a week later, there's a guy flinging webs around and no one was like, huh, that nerdy kid that punched and like beat up that jock had like something weird coming out of his wrist. Maybe he's Spider-Man. 
but apparently everyone in the Marvel universe is just completely ignorant. And I just loved when Spider-Man had to, like, or I should say Peter Parker had to figure out all of his Spidey skills and, like, was trying to figure out how to fling webs and all that stuff. That's just so classic. And then when he was um, figuring out how to do all that stuff in his room and um, Aunt May's like, Peter, what are you doing in there? And he's like, I'm exercising. I'm not dressed. Oh my gosh, Aunt May. Like, who did you raise? Like, why would you think that that would be the cover? Like, that would be okay to say. Come on, dude. It was just really funny. And I think if I had to pick a favorite character, it would be the bone saw. When he says, three minutes of playtime. Like, who comes up with these characters? Thank you. Thank you to for whoever that is, because you're amazing. But like, what? <laughs> Three minutes of playtime. And then this is the where it gets heavy. I will cry every single time Uncle Ben dies. If it's the first time I'm watching like a new Spider-Man or if I'm rewatching Tobey Maguire, I will literally cry every single time. It hurts me every single time. So I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm a huge baby. Then also when um, the Green Goblin comes and like ruins the event, he leaves this huge trail of black smoke behind his glider. But it's a huge shock when he's coming because no one sees that apparently from far away. So just a little weird thing that I found. Another thing I realized is Peter definitely needs a new friend group because MJ didn't notice who it was. He didn't, she didn't recognize his voice, but they've been friends since the first grade. His best friend, Harry, takes his girl like, screw them. You need better friends. Understand your worth and like live up to it because I'm sorry, Pete, but mm -mm. you need better, much better friends. And then I just want to give like a round of applause to William Defoe because just like he did in the new movie, he killed it in the old movie every single time, especially that mirror scene. Because like I said in the beginning, I try to like picture myself not like sitting down and watching it from the theater, but actually like being in the room and watching it. And like imagine that having to go back and forth between the goblin and himself or his character, like the goblin character, and then his uh, Dr. Osborne character, like going back and forth that, that's got to be so hard, but he like absolutely killed it. And he like changes the way he's walking and everything. So thank you for blessing us with that. And I just wanted to point this all out, this out too. And I don't know if this is going to ruin it for anyone, but when Spider-Man talks, he literally never moves his jaw. It's just a straight thing when he's wearing the mask. So um, I think that's something we need to work on is moving the jaw because I was like, he's not talking. I know he's not talking. You can pretend to trick me, but it's not working. I'm too clever. But yeah, so that was basically just a few things that I pulled out from the movie. But um, I'm going to give it a 10. And that's, as I say it, I realize that I'm setting the bar very high and I'm probably going to regret it but that's okay because I love Spider-Man and he's the best and suck it basically. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he is just the best. I love his character. Um, his stories are always really great and I just really appreciate, um, that movie. So yeah, that was the first one. I'll probably do a lot of scary movies because of the podcast theme, but I just thought it'd be fun to do Spider-Man because of the movie that just came out. So now we are on to the things that you don't want to know because you probably wanted to know the movie stuff. Now this is is what you don't want to know. The story I will be talking about today is Carol Faye Dunlap. Now this is her given name, what she was born with before she got married, but she was born October 26th in 1947. Oh my god. Okay. Um, Her parents were Theopolis and Charles Seta. I believe is how you pronounce the name, which like, wow, her parents probably did great things. And maybe I should just do a whole podcast about them because 
just their names tell me how awesome they are because like solid names good job to their parents now carol was the second child of four children so a full house and she was from oklahoma city like the area she went to college in texas but she went back to oklahoma to finish her degree in 1971 with a bachelor's in chemistry and biology in that same year she married her husband alvin daniels jr and they had three children or excuse me five children together yeah they're really getting busy three sons and two daughters so mother and um hard worker basically from what we understand they lived in spokane washington but eventually they moved back in to oklahoma in um 78 where she just continued her education because she is a baddie she just worked so hard and she was so great and i use was because unfortunately she did pass in the 90s carol was ordained um to the holy the christ holy uh, sanctified church and instantly but um she was a member there until 2001 and she eventually became um after that after 2001 she became a pastor at the worthy temple in anadarko which like bad name what a cool freaking name anadarko like i'll name my dog that or something like that's a cool name now i this is the second time i'm going over this case because i like i did a lot of the research and then I walked away and I didn't get back to it until today. And I was like, Anna Darko, wow, that's a cool name. What does it mean? I looked it up and I remember it was like something really, really cool. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. So I didn't write it down. I looked it up today and it said that it was the Bumblebee place. And I was like, no, that's not what I found before. So who knows? That could be wrong or it could be right. Google might maybe lying to me. Who knows? But from what I understand, Anadarko is like a small town and it is said that it is full of transient people. And apparently I didn't know the definition of transient because like I took that as like bad, mischievous hooligans. Well, apparently it just means like people are coming and going all the time. So <laughs> it shows how much I know. But it's just full of those kinds of people. Um, it was just a small town, you know, casual, nothing crazy. But that was where the church was located, and then it was located in a very um, high crime rated area. So, not great. But Carol, being the amazing person she was, drove 60 miles every single week for church. Like, wow. Thank you, Reverend Carol Daniels. Like, wow, you're great. I believe she went like twice a week. As the services continued, it slowly trickled down and it just got less and less people. She actually, she, uh, it was a lot of, um, elderly and retirement homes, but eventually like people just stopped showing up and it was really like dead. Eventually the church was just like done. And unfortunately that means Carol was out of, out of a job. So big, sad, big bummer. But I feel like, okay. Yeah just in case anyone wanted to go to church in that area because carol still had faith at 61 she still made the trip every single sunday and sometimes there would be people there and she would do a service and other times she would just be alone in the church which sounds like super peaceful and she'd just pray so that just sounds really beautiful to me she was so sweet no one had anything bad to say about her but at the same time like i feel like only murderers get people like talking about them after they pass so i just think she sounds really sweet she would help charities in the area um and she tried to help the people too like she would pass out food to the people out there and she just killed it she was loved by the people and she just was loving towards them too even the people that didn't love her she was so loving and she just wanted to spread god's love to everyone which like beautiful carol beautiful thank you for all that you did on weekends she would go back to the church but she was also a secretary slash like treasurer for the church where she was ordained so she was still working and she was still doing her job and she was still driving back to anadarko to like 
preach to whoever wanted to hear about God's word. So like, just such a beautiful story. Thank you, Siri. I'm not talking to you. I don't know what you want from me. Um, sorry, my watch just keeps going off for some reason. Um, I think it's like S words. If you say too many S words, Siri's like jealous or something. I don't know. She made the trip on August 23rd to see if anyone wanted to worship or hear about um, a message like every single Sunday. And from the step and fetch footage, um, which I think that was like a gas station, they found footage eventually. Um, she arrived at 10 a.m. And at 1140, um, Silky Wilson Jr., he was a retired pastor, I believe, came to the church like he normally did. But the doors were locked. And that was not normal for um, for Reverend Carol Daniels. So he was a little bit concerned. Um, I believe he was with his wife, too. And yes, his wife was there. Excuse me. So he would like tried knocking a little bit harder. He like tried moving and maybe the the like the attachment, the moving part on the inside was like jammed or something. So he tried a couple times. Nothing happened. So he tried the back door and he was just like really like a weird feeling came over him. So after a little bit, he decided to go to the police station. And oddly enough, the police station is like a couple blocks away. It's super close. And I think you can actually see the church from or the um, police station from the church. So he went over and he got Officer Ashley Burris. And uh, the officer would enter through the back door and find her body after 12 o'clock. This is the part that's hard. So Reverend Carol Daniels was found behind the pulpit. She was naked and there uh, was blood smeared on her just in like the places where she was stabbed. Like it was a lot of blood and there was a lot of stab wounds and it was mainly to her upper half and she was also decapitated. So some sick person just absolutely ruined her. Like it sounded like a horrible last couple of minutes of her life. But there were a lot of stab wounds. And this is the part that like people have a really hard time with. Is she was laid almost like in the crucifix position. So like feet together, hands spread across um, like far away from her body. They, so they think that she was posed. And there was some kind of like chemical substance on her body. Her hair was lit on fire and burned to her scalp. So I don't know if that was somebody like trying to destroy evidence, but that's how the officer found her. So almost right away, he calls for backup because it was just a very overwhelming situation. The cause of death was not realized. And they saw, they said that, that she was stabbed like they told the public that she was stabbed and she was posed in an unusual way but that's about all they gave to the public at that time but they started investigating right away because they knew carol because she was so prominent in the community and they just wanted to figure this out right away so they basically like ripped the church apart looking for what happened to this lady you know what i realized i don't think i said when this happened um so it was August 23rd, so it was 2009. So it was August 23rd, 2009. So the police started looking right away. The search came up with like very, very little. A knife was found in the storm drain, but that was not the murder weapon. And just remember, like this is a pretty bad area. So like, I'm not surprised that there was a knife found in the storm drain. And then at the same time, like I didn't live in a bad town and I'm sure there's knives in my storm drains. So I think it's just going to happen. Things are going to be found in the storm drain. Eventually they did get the security footage and they saw her enter the church building at 10, but they didn't really see anyone else. Um, so the, the surveillance was only like the front door. So they're assuming the person probably came through the back door or like an open window. Her clothes were not found and her um, normal briefcase and purse weren't, were not found either. Like they had no idea where all this stuff went. So I don't know if they took all of that for like evidence or something, or excuse me, yeah, evidence like the killer did, who knows, but it was not found. And because the of the unknown chemical on her body, the police didn't find anything on her. 
So, like, that makes me think this person knew what they were doing, unfortunately. And it makes it so much harder. So, like, with all that in mind, I just feel like this is someone who has done this before and knows what they are doing. So, days later, there's no suspect. They have no idea, no clue, and that is awful. Like, I just can't imagine just saying, like, hey, this horrible, horrible thing just happened, and we don't know who it was. So, they put up a $10,000 reward for any kind of information. So, a guy who was neighbors to the church, his name was Mitchell Pendarvis. Yeah, I'm going to say that's his last name, Pendarvis said that he didn't hear anything and when I say he was a neighbor to the church so this was in like a city or it was a town but it was like a city it was it's like you reach your hand out like you go to the edge of the building and reach your hand out you can touch his house it was super duper close he said that a lot of local transients would hang out in the alley by the church so he's saying like it could have been something like that which I feel like local transients because that's like a new, it's not a new word because I knew the word before, but it's the, the definition is new to me. I feel like that's kind of, oh, what's that called? Don't tell me. I know this. Hold on. Let me, give me a minute. It's an oxymoron. Like when you call someone pretty ugly, that's an oxymoron because local and transient seems opposite. I could be to- totally wrong, but who knows? But they would hang out there. So that's something that the cops would go after or go off of. And other neighbors said that um, she would rent the home out to someone. So it wasn't her who actually lived there, but it was the person that owned the house. But they said that somebody broke in like a month prior. That's something, I guess, but it's not a whole lot to go off of. But I guess a lot of people in that area were reporting break-ins. So that could be connected. But like I said, there wasn't anything solid, nothing that they could actually stand on. One person said that someone broke in and, like, slept in one of their cellars, and that was in the local area, which, like, how horrifying is that to think about? I literally say this all the time. I say, I don't want a big house because what if someone is in the house and I don't know, you know? So, I want a house where I can be aware of all the rooms. I want a house that big. No bigger where I can't look at all the rooms, but big enough where I can look in all the rooms and be certain (laughs) that no one is hiding because that is horrifying to think about. No thank you, mansions. No thank you. So the police actually looked into this, but nothing, nothing was heard afterwards. They didn't, so I'm uh, guessing like it was cold. Nothing good was uh, from it. But a homeless man, Robert Richardson, said he caught a glimpse of the suspect. Now, he was drinking um so he was drunk basically and he was worried that like people weren't gonna um he was gonna get in trouble so he didn't come up forward right away he didn't think that it would be taken seriously because he was a homeless man so like take it what with what it is like kind of sucks but whatever he was drinking a beer near a car wash and he saw a man in a ski mask that was bald um, go into the church and he said he didn't get a good look at him because his head was turned and and I was just thinking like yeah he was also wearing a ski mask how would you get a good look at him so Robert um, was 63 and the police questioned his involvement in the case for some reason so maybe they just thought that he was the killer and they were trying to or he was trying to like push them off of his tracks or something I don't know but they didn't really take his story seriously because like it just didn't make sense he was saying contradictory things so they didn't really put it like take it as bible i guess robert said though that the guy that he saw was covered in blood when he left the crime scene so there was also one other thing that happened there was a fire the night before at a news office um and it was supposed to have started like I guess technically early, early in the morning, but it was at bar close. And the fire was very, very close to the church, but the police said that there wasn't a link. So it's like all these things are happening and it just must be a horrible town because like this stuff never happened where I grew up. This is literally all within like a month, just boom, 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 one thing after another, after another, after another, just horrible things. And then to end on 
the murder of Carol, Reverend Carol Daniels is just horrible. So, the fire was very close, but the police did not find any links. Eventually, her her autopsy was done, and I actually did look at the autopsy too. This one, it's really interesting what happened. So, the medical examiner, the it was done by the medical examiner in Oklahoma City, but it took nine months, and I guess that's not normal. But it's very interesting because um, the autopsy and like the death certificate and all that stuff. But there was political issues, and I guess there was a corruption in the police police force in 2010, so it was just kind of not great, and the medical examiner was replaced. So he started the autopsy, um, and that was Dr. Kali M. Trant. That person was fired, but the autopsy was finished May 13th, 2010 by Dr. Chai S. Choi. I'm so sorry if I said that wrong. I already apologized in the beginning, so you can't yell at me. Unfortunately, she only had photos to go off of because after a while, like, the people, the family has to get the body and bury the body or do whatever they want to do in order for their closure because I can't imagine having to wait that long for a funeral or something like that. So, she went off of the original notes and all of the pictures that were taken So, her original cause of death were multiple sharp force injuries, but, and that was by the medical examiner that got fired, and after the new examiner came in, she changed it to multiple incised wounds. So, I feel like that's very close to the same thing, but it might, like, be more specific or something like that. I didn't look it up, but she had wounds on her hand, which usually mean that they're defensive. And let me see, I forgot to write down. So on her left hand, there were more wounds versus her right hand only had like a handful of wounds. So me being unqualified to say anything, say (laughs) that I guess the person, the murderer, excuse me, right-handed, because if he was this person was going straight it would hit her left hand if they were right-handed i don't think they would cross to stab so i don't know i could be totally wrong but that's just my unprofessional opinion and also another thing that i saw was it almost looked like it was a grab like she was trying to grab the knife from their hand just from the way the cuts were on her hand like i said not qualified I'm just guessing. I'm just like you guys. I have no qualifications to say anything, but here I am. Her left breast was actually mutilated. And that is another thing to make me think that maybe they are right-handed because another thing, just going straight down, that would be the left side. And her neck also had a lot of cuts. So even though she was naked, she had no sexual assaults. Another forensic scientist, Brent Turvey, looked at the case And he said he didn't think that the body was posed in any way. So like I said in the beginning, it was the crucifix pose. But he said that nude bodies lay like that all the time. And he also said that the neck was probably what killed her, like the final blow. Because a lot of, and a lot of the damage was done after death. So from what he said, that makes me feel like the person was very angry. And if it was someone who was just, like, killing because they needed to get rid of her, they would have no need for that. But if you're mutilating the body after all this stuff happened, after, like, she's dead, that's anger to me. But that's just me. Like I said, no professionalism. Like, I have no credentials to say any of this stuff. But that's my opinion. He also felt like the person was in a complete rage, which I guess I didn't have to say the last thing because he says it for me. They were just pushed way too far by her. Like, I don't know who could possibly have any anger towards this beautiful woman, but they were very upset. And he also wasn't sure that it was a male because I don't know if you remember, they burnt her hair. And I guess that's common in female killings, which I've never heard of, but Okay, I mean, he is the perfect, he is, he knows what he's talking about. Our authorities had a few um, ideas of what could possibly be behind this murder, and they thought, like, maybe race, because um, Reverend Carol Daniels uh, was a person of color, 
It could be gender because she was a female or religion because she loved God and she was very open about her religion. Um, but they told other churches to be careful and obviously nothing ever happened. Well, I guess not obvious, but nothing ever happened to other churches. So maybe it wasn't behind race or maybe she was just too outspoken and the person didn't like that. But there were no other leads and no other suspects. So a couple weeks after um, the captain, Captain Dwayne Miller said that we have no suspects and we have no idea who did this. And that's got to be terrifying to hear from the captain of the police force that this brutal thing happened to this beautiful woman and we have no idea what happened. So the theory is that a transient killer came to town and Carol was so kind that she would have like just been so trusting and someone could have taken advantage of her and just done the worst. So Jack Levin, he's a professor a professor of psychology and criminology in Northeastern University. He would uh, state that he believes that the killer was seeking attention setting that the staging of the body, he, which he determined highly unusual, which is very contradictory to what the last guy, the um, forensic scientist Brent Turvey said. This is a quote from him. He said, the killer poses the body because he wanted credit. He intended to do it again and wants credit for what he had done. The killer wanted the notoriety. He knows that by staging the victim's body, this would freak out the population of people, terrifying them. Facts basically. Yes, the people were terrified. So, if that were true, job job was done. Check mark. Obviously, there were no leads. No one knew what happened, so they had to come up with something. And one name that came up was Israel Keys. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard Israel Keys, but he is terrifying. That man is no longer with us thank the Lord because he was a gnarly guy. He would literally travel from state to state. So he would go, let's say he would go to Minnesota. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Minnesota. And then rent a car and drive to Wisconsin and have a murder kit there because he knew that he wanted to kill someone from Wisconsin, would kill them, drive back to Minnesota and then fly back to Alaska because that's where he's from. It was so hard to figure out who he was and he obviously made mistakes because that's what they always do and that's what we pray that they do um and that's how they found him but he i think he killed himself i don't really remember exactly how he died but he's dead and they never got, got all the answers from him so we have no idea who he murdered or where he murdered just from the little that he's told us so he was known for cleaning up the bodies and he was religious as a child but turned away from the faith growing up. So that could be some anger that he felt and let's say Carol was passing out food to the people outside and preaching about the Lord and he got upset, took advantage of her kind nature and just blew up. So he used construction as an excuse to travel and the area was hit by heavy storms three months prior, so that could have been his inn. Keys was very white though, and this area was not known to have a lot of um, white people. Cool, I figured it out. Okay, I stopped recording and then I recorded again, so I'm basically a pro. All right, so where was I? All right, okay, so I said he was very white and that would have been noticeable, Hey, I'm back one more time because the dog has very long nails and it's very loud. So this was a more, the majority of this area was um, ethnic groups. So he would have definitely stood out and no one said anything. So that kind of led the police to believe like maybe he wasn't it, but it's still a good lead maybe, but who knows. Plus statistics show that killers normally don't kill outside of their race. So there were lots of theories. There was drug deals, satanic cults, upset churches, and um, the, a local metal band called Napalm Rain. So I don't know what that means. Very few to no promising leads throughout the years, though. Now, just to explain the upset churches, um, in the Bible, it talks about how like a woman shouldn't be a preacher 
Um, so a lot of churches might have gotten upset about that maybe because she was a reverend. So that's why I put that in there. Um, so six years later, there was a woman, uh, um, and she said that a woman in a black blouse came forward and spoke of disposing evidence for her or asking to dispose of evidence for her. And the woman that came forth with that, um, she overdosed a few days later. Hashtag sauce. Um, but it was still brought to a grand jury, um, to find a suspect. This sentence makes no sense. I have to reread it to figure out what I was trying to say. I get it now. Okay, I apologize. So this evidence, this statement, brought a grand jury together to find only one suspect. And to this day, this is Denise Cooper. So uh, Denise Cooper had uh, prior offenses. In 2003, um, she was, she got an offense, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. In 2012, she pled guilty to selling meth, which got her 25 years of parole, which she broke six months later. Two men were brought as a witness to the grand jury in um, 2017, Kevin Mahan and Dustin Top. Oh my gosh, these names. Topfpi? T-O-F-P-I. However you pronounce that. Both were offenders for the same uh, things as Denise and they were serving at the moment. So that could be like them um, being enticed to just give a statement in order to knock some things off of their time or their sentences. So take it as you will. They gave their testimony, but then they wouldn't answer questions in front of the jury. So that, honestly, I feel like you can just throw that, throw that away. But again, I don't know what I'm saying. So I could be totally wrong. This is just me being a civilian. Um, so the story they defended was that it was a robbery and um, someone had, and it was with two people. But that doesn't make any sense though, because it was a dying church. But people on drugs have done very crazy things. Some guy tried to eat another person. So who knows? Denise Cooper passed away in 2017 from cancer. So the one lady testified and died from a drug overdose and then the other suspect died of cancer. But the jury still came together and made her an official suspect. But going back to the other lady and her kind of her testimony, this area was a horrible area and she was known to be on drugs and do drugs. So maybe she was slipped. So maybe she was like slipped bad drugs or more concentrated drugs and that's how she overdosed because people knew that she was coming forward and giving up this one lady Denise and they were like nope gotta go gotta be done so that's just a theory that I had and I'm sure everyone has had that theory but like I said Denise Cooper died from cancer in 2017 so public officials say that the case is closed but they will follow up with leads if anything comes forward. So public offic- uh, the public kind of blames the police for not handling the situation correctly. This was all going on when there was corruption in the police force. I guess um, police were caught like smuggling drugs and all that stuff. And there was a huge altercation in the prison where two prisoners were killed. So police were basically not all police, but the bad apples were um, smuggling drugs into the prison and selling to people and it was just terrible and they were also like arresting people and planting drugs on them so it was just absolutely horrible then this is really really sad but the officer that found carol at the church ashley burris he walked into the police station at 2 a.m he sat down and he shot himself in the chest and a lot of people believe that it was because of the fact that he saw Carol and it was just too much for him, which whew, I would imagine like that was just a horrible thing that happened. So in 2009 is when she passed away, but they took down the church in 2010 in July. So a little bit, a little bit less than a year after the murder and they put up a memorial for Carol. So that's really beautiful. So like I said, um, the biggest theories are police corruption, 
with how they were planting drugs and selling drugs, um, drug dealers, and, um, and with the drug dealers, I don't know any idea, maybe they, Carol was just pissing people off and they came in and they killed her. Um, it could have been Israel Keys or like another prolific serial killer or, and this one I think I might stand alone on and this is kind of very far-fetched, but have you ever heard of, <clears throat> my voice is going away, I'm, I apologize, have you ever heard of Clementine Barabet? If not, allow me to explain. So, when I was researching this case, I saw the church's name and I was like, ooh, let me look into that. Let me see if there's any, like, suspicious characters or if this church is, like, actually one of those churches that are, like, cults. I looked it up. Church is beautiful. Um, the whole, like, their statements are beautiful. I could not find a single bad thing about them. So, I was like, darn it, but, like, awesome at the same time. But then, out of luck, I found Clementine Barnabet and her story and I'm sure there are hundred there are actually hundreds of podcasts about her I was so excited I had never heard of her and I like did a bunch of research on her and then I was like maybe this will be my second podcast and it'll like spin off well then I looked up what I do when I do a podcast is I will find a sub subject and then I'll like put them into the search bar and I'll look and see how many podcasts are on this person and if there's a lot I won't do it because I don't want to over tell a story but she had like a hundred different podcasts about her so I'm just going to briefly talk about her but she was part of the same church that um Carol was a part of and she eventually split off into her own branch and um she created a cult called the church of sacrifices and eventually she was called the voodoo priestess so, I'm going to go with not great, but that's just me. So, this might have, this is probably nothing, and this is just me, like, having fun with it, but she was, um, she confessed to 35, well, technically she confessed to 17 murders, and she, and she went to jail for 35. Basically, what happened was she split from that church to make her own branch, and these horrible, horrible axe murders started happening. And eventually the police brought um, their attention to Clementine's father. And Clementine and her brother, Zephyrin, I believe is how you pronounce his name. They both testified against him, saying that like he laughed about killing this one family. He was like, they're no more. Um, and just all these horrible things. So they put him in jail. But a little bit after he was put in jail another murder happened so they were like okay we have the wrong guy we got to figure out who it is and they were brought to clementine and when that murder happened they went to her house and they said that they found this full dress they found this full outfit and it was covered in blood and apparently this had happened before but she said that her father had wiped the axe on her clothes and that's why the blood was on it so kind of sketchy but basically, she was leading this cult and having people kill for um, the cult because the sacrifices were human sacrifices for voodoo. And all of this, like, what they, it's one of those, like, media things where it's like, oh, it's got to be this. We got to blow it up. We got to make it a story. And that's what they think happened. And they just added a voodoo to make it, like, more glamorous, I guess. I don't even know the correct word for that. So it seems very flimsy but she was put um she was like i said convicted of 35 murders and was put in jail for life sentence excuse me she was sentenced to life in jail the police said that her story like she was so crazed that her story changed multiple times but to me that kind of sounds like coercion where her story kept changing because she didn't have a story and she was just telling the police what she thought that they wanted to hear so she could stop whatever was happening to her. Who knows? Honestly, it was the 19, it was in um, 1910, I believe. So it's like, how sturdy is this? Like, I, I feel like I could eat, it's like a 50-50 shot. So you never really know. But um, at 19, she was um, sentenced to life in prison in 1913. But 10 years later, she was let out 
um, for good behavior because she was quote unquote back to normal condition, whatever that means. But after she was let out, no one heard from her again. No one kept up with her. She left the town and no one saw her again. So, and I guess there was like another murder in like the 90s and they blamed her for it. So I was like, you know what? A hundred years later, maybe she's still alive and maybe she's pissed off because she was the priestess and she doesn't want another like woman in the church and that's what happened. So that was my just like little fun side of the story that of this horrible story. But it's just a little fun like thing that I got into to make me feel like give me a break from that horrible part. That's the story of Reverend Carol Daniels and her beautiful soul. Hopefully someday there'll be some kind of movement in the case, but who knows? It's been a long time, unfortunately. Maybe um, like Crime Stoppers, or not Crime Stoppers, but um, Cold Case. Maybe someone will dig into this case and see something that they missed before and they'll figure it out and finally give the family what they need. But all her kids just say that she was so beautiful and she was just such a great mother. So that one was for you, Carol, and I hope that you're resting easy up in heaven. But that was my telling of the story. That was the You Don't Want to Know podcast. I hope it was enjoyable and informative, and I hope you guys stick around for the next episode. Uh, If you have any, like, case suggestions, you can email me at the ydwkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I also have a Instagram and it's YDWK podcast. Um, if you have like any cool stories you want to tell me or movie suggestions, send me an email. If you want to say, Hey, you're doing a great job. I like your telling. Send me an email. If you think I'm doing a bad job and you don't like it, don't send me an email because it'll make me sad. Keep those thoughts to yourself because if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But um, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening and I hope you guys have a blessed day.